0: Plants capture CO2. What if we could help industrial plants capture it too? Think how we could help lower emissions. More and more scientists think carbon capture is key to reducing CO2 emissions globally. It's one way ExxonMobil is helping industrial plants be more like plants. That's the unexpected energy of ExxonMobil.
1: Welcome to NFL Live, exactly two weeks and counting until the NFL draft It gets underway Thursday, April 25th, live from Nashville. ESPN, ABC, and the NFL Network will be broadcasting all week. And coming up, we'll go all access with Drew Locke and Jared Stidham on the infamous whiteboard. We're taking you inside what teams are looking for from these top NFL quarterbacks. And you'll hear again from Aaron Rodgers speaking this time about his new head coach, Matt LaFleur don't miss out on what he expects out of his new play caller. Hello everybody, there you are, we're glad to have you with us, Wendy Nix, Adam Schefter, Jim Nagy, Josina Anderson, Teddy Bruschi, uh with you for the next 90 minutes. Meanwhile, the New York Giants are back in the news this afternoon. The Giants have had a busy offseason and it continued. Almost exactly a month ago they traded star wide receiver Odell Beckham Jr., but this They've signed Sterling Shepard to a four-year, $41 million extension. It includes a $21.3 million guaranteed uh, amount. A source telling our Adam Schefter, Shepherd, Shepard set career highs last year, 66 catches, 872 yards. So, again, recapping what it's been like, they traded OBJ to the Browns for a first-round pick, third-rounder and safety Jabril Peppers. They also traded pass rusher Olivier Vernon and saw Landon Collins leave via free agency. The Giants did not, though, just subtract from their roster. They also signed veteran wideout Golden Tate, which, much like Shepard, has done most of his damage in the recent years out of the slot. So this news came yesterday. Adam, why, why the deal?
2: When do you see the names that departed New York this offseason? And I think that this signing is tied to that. The Giants are sending a message that we're going to keep the good young players we want to keep. We want people to know that if you work hard, produce, we believe in you, we're going to reward you because Sterling Shepard now becomes the first player from the draft class of 2016 to get a contract extension. And that's something. And again, I think it's because he's playing for the Giants and because they've lost so many key players this offseason and because they've recognized him as somebody they want to keep while other teams have inquired about his availability. All those factors together makes it so that he gets a new deal with $21.3 million in guaranteed money.
3: You like the investment? Eddie? Yeah, I think I think what they also recognize Shefty is the fact that potentially his targets going up and his production going up so are they getting ahead of the scale in terms of he can become one of one of a number one receiver yeah. for us now and his numbers are going to get, you know, his targets are going to go up, his numbers are going to go up because of no more Odell Beckham Jr. so a lot of messages you could send like you're talking about and also you know your locker room's got to have a little bit of positivity in there you know you lost Odell Beckham Jr. but okay we see the guys that we want we bring in Tate we sign Shepard so the plan if you will is starting to formulate
1: well Jen, let me ask you and that's my next question you know we you knew they had a plan we just didn't always know exactly what it was it was a little difficult to discern uh, and I'll ask you Jojo as well is the plan a bit clearer now
0: I don't know about this signing. I think we'll know more about the plan after the draft. I think how they attack the draft will kind of show you how the the plan is going to unfold. And I, I do think if you're looking at their draft, I think number six, that's where they got to go quarterback because I think if they wait to 17, the four guys that we've all talked about going in the first round, you know, Daniel Jones and Drew Locke and Haskins and Kyler Murray, those guys, will all, those guys could all be gone by 17, and then they've got a ton of needs on the defensive line. Outside of Delvin Tomlinson, they need to add players, but the good thing for them, there's depth on that. This is a great D-line class. There's a ton of depth, so they can address that at 17 and throughout, but um, I, w- I would say they're, you're looking at the quarterback at 6.
4: I mean, I think it's interesting that he elected to take the deal with the opportunity with him being a second round pick and entering into the last year of his contract to potentially add to his value, particularly with the fact that they're asking him to probably take more snaps on the outside as opposed to the inside. Now, when you look at his contract averaging at $10 million a year, he's able to get more than some of the slot receivers this year got in terms of Adam Humphreys, Jamison Crowder, Cole Beasley, who got between seven and nine. So his deal averaging more than them. But when you're looking at uh, Jarvis Landry, who got about 50 million uh, when he went um, from the Dolphins to the Browns and really kind of raised that bar for slot receivers. There was still a potential for him to make more, but certainly understanding Adam's point when you're talking about wanting to set a positive tone with people who do hard work, especially with the uh, talent that already defected from the New York Giants and really, you know, trying to take advantage of that now, but potential to raise the ceiling a little bit more.
2: And to your point, Teddy, though, these teams should know and often do know these players better than anybody. They know who's good and who's not good. They know who they should be signing and who they shouldn't be signing. And the good teams sign these players well in advance before they become stars. Now, Sterling Shepard has made good plays, but he's not exactly a star yet. So this deal, to your point, says we believe this guy has the real chance to become a star and certainly the opportunity is going to be
3: there. I don't think the Giants Giants know their plan, um, I think, but we won't until we see moves like this. And that's why this tells you the truth of how they really felt about Sterling Shepard as a player. The draft is an opportunity for them to show us the truth. Because coming from a GM that said something one day, then three days later, he does the exact opposite. Correct. The smoke screens are, are, are heavy out there right now. So when the draft comes around, do you like Haskins? Do you pick him at six? Is that in your thought process? Or, I mean, do you, do you go for the defensive talent in the draft? Come draft. That's when we'll know what their plan is, because based on what they say, you're not going to be able to figure it well, out. Well, they'll
1: have the opportunity. Also, they have 12 draft picks. That's tied <laughs> with the New England Patriots for the most in the league. So, uh, we'll know early and often a little bit more about what the Giants plan to do. Meanwhile, again, all eight teams who have new head coaches can start their off-season programs early. Among them, the Green Bay Packers who continue to work on the field this week. Aaron Rodgers is there. He spoke to the media. And many questions centered on last week's Bleacher Report that detailed allegations of dysfunction and a tough relationship with former head coach Mike McCarthy.
0: Well, first of all, I stand by everything I said, you know, and and I I just kind of want to refer to that as far as any other comments go. Um, I said it on the show and I meant it. It has been a great week. Uh, I've heard from, you know, uh, 100 plus former teammates and coaches and current teammates and coaches and uh, that's fun, especially some of the guys you haven't heard from in a while, um, checking in and, and uh, encouraging you. So that's that's great. I mean, this game is all about relationships. I think you've heard from all the people who are relevant at this point and, and, you know, actually matter, which are the people who play with him and, you know, played with him recently and have those good relationships with him. And I think that has been pretty uniform as far as how we feel about him. Uh, great leader, guy that, you know, all, all the things, all the negative things that I've heard is, you know, I share none of those feelings with those guys. So. Um, you know, uh, t- nobody reached out to me. Nobody reached out to James Jones. Nobody reached out to Jordy Nelson, Randall Cobb, any of these guys. Um, you know, th- that obviously had a good relationship with him. So, um, I think if, uh, if if those people were interviewed about him, then the story would have been a lot different. You have not made the playoffs two years in a row. Aaron's obviously taking some, you know, some public hits. Do you get any sense that he just kind of wants to shove it up everybody, you know, why he plays butt off? Um, I want to. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, look, sometimes these things can have a polarizing effect in the positive direction. This team perhaps can rally around this, Teddy, and say, Mm. hey, whatever happened happened, or maybe it didn't happen, but we want to prove everybody wrong. If if it's not, not,
3: you're right, if it's not handled correctly, though, we can have a negative connotation, i.e. the Pittsburgh Steelers. And how we're still talking about, it seems like it's been a year of drama for the Pittsburgh Steelers, and all we're talking about is not on the field successes or failures, but behind the scenes, locker room, on Bell, contracts, tweets, all of these things. I think the Green Bay Packers need to look at the example on how not to do it in terms of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Now, you got the gloves on, you got to defend yourself, boom, throw the counterpunch. Rodgers commented, you got Adams commenting, all good. Now drop the gloves. Now drop the gloves, no more commenting. There's got to be a point where... You go out and say what you got to say, which is good, all right. But then Lafleur, Rogers, whoever it may be, is it your first team meeting? All right, fellas, that's it. That's it right now. It's nothing about the two thousand, the two thousand nineteen Green Bay Packers. That's all I want to hear. That's all I want my quarterback talking about. Everything else is in the past, and it doesn't matter. If that if that happens, that's when I'll see that Lafleur has early control of his team. All right, or. do they say, no, I got something else to say and boom, they push send like that. And so, this easy to just squash this right now with everything you just saw and move on from here. I hope they do it.
1: With LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers setting that tone, because this is a production business clearly. What matters is 2019 Jim, and they got to turn this page and the narrative really needs to become about the relationship between Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers and not Mike McCarthy.
0: I agree. And To Teddy's point, control in the narrative. That's what Coach right. Belichick did so great for you guys in New England. They need to control what's coming out of the building and, and you know to your point being a competitor Aaron's a competitor if you're a competitor this puts a chip on your shoulder competitors want to prove people wrong you know so whether whether regardless of what happened we, we none of us will know the real story but you know Aaron's going to a- attack this thing because he's going to want to put this to bed
3: yeah I actually think this is an early opportunity for for Lafleur to build his relationship with Aaron Rodgers because none of this has to do with Lafleur. You see, but now everything that's happening out there. Now we start our meetings. Now I'm with you, Aaron. I got you now. I'll take you from here on out. I'm your boy. Let's re- let's let's develop this relationship. Good point. Me and you together. Yeah. Let's fight it together. Let's go forward. He, that's a little that's a little rallying point he can he can use. A little energy that perhaps he can
2: use. That yes. he can use. That that's from sense. Matt Lafleur. I think the article is a huge motivator for Aaron Rodgers. He's been called out, challenged, criticized, questioned. Those are not normal things for a star player in this league. <laughs> and yeah, when you yeah. are challenging cold out like that, you have a chance to respond. And I think the most fierce competitors use that to drive out their best performances and produce their best numbers. And it won't surprise me if that's the way that Aaron Rodgers plays this season. And you know, and I just
4: don't think the true test for how it's being assessed, as far as as much as it's being resolved and where we are with it, really, um, you know, can really be determined until during the season because right now everyone's zero and zero. That's a good point. It, we're in the, you know, off season phase. We won't really have a true illuminator to how this is resolved until the regular season when real adversity hurts or, excuse me, hits or when we, uh, put, or excuse me, when they potentially have, you know, a 0 and 3 start or, or is it going to be 3 and 0 start or, you know, what have you. So that's when we're really, really going to see everything that I heard from Devonte Adams, everything I've heard from the people that spoke up in that press conference, though, is everything I would expect to hear because the cameras are on because it's public. You just talked about, you know, do your counter punch and now drop it, you yeah, know. Yeah. But is it is it I think really the question is, is it really the forum to do it publicly or behind well, the scenes?
3: Well, you talk about during the season and, and mm-hmm. let me let me spin it forward to a little bit like this, because Whenever Mike McCarthy would call a play, okay, Mm -hmm. in the past, and then Aaron Rodgers would take it upon himself to say, "Mm -mm, I don't like that. And all of a sudden, he's running out. He's scrambling out. He's doing all those magical things. That's when it became Aaron Rodgers' play. So he did that often. So I think there's a little bit of pressure during the season for Aaron Rodgers to stay within structure. Mm -hmm. to To almost... You know, not not force, be deferential, make sure, make sure you're doing things within timing and within structure to show that you can learn a new system and give it a chance to work rather than saying, nah, In my way. I got this. Lafer. Yeah. What I do is better. So mm-hmm. well, that's something to watch early on.
0: Nope. I think it's no critical question. they get off to a good start. I- you know, we like you, you always talk about week. peeking around Thanksgiving and playing good down the stretch. I think Green Bay has to get off to a hot start in September because, mm-hmm. you know, it's a momentum league you, both ways. You know, you mm-hmm. start slow. It's hard to get your traction. You start fast. You know, you can ride that thing. So I think you watch the Packers in September will be really interesting.
1: Matt LaFleur is a young new head coach. He needs his team to buy in. And there's no better way to get them to buy in than to get that quarterback uh, to get him to buy in from the start. Mm-hmm. In their first personnel move at tight ends, since Rob Gronkowski announced his retirement in late March. The Patriots have agreed to a one-year deal with Austin Safarian Jenkins. This is according to our field gates. Safarian Jenkins, one of the few players who the Patriots have actually added this offseason. New England has seen Gronk retire, while other key contributors like Trey Flowers and Trent Brown left via free agency. Defensive play caller Brian Flores joined the Dolphins as the head coach, while his expected Replacement Greg Ciano abruptly resigned. As we say hello to the film room, brought to you, by Horizon. And before we talk about uh, what's next for the Patriots, I'll ask you, what's next? Who's, who else can we expect to come through Foxborough?
2: Listen, they have a league-high 12 draft picks. They've got a bunch of early picks. And right now, this is a team that really does need to reload. They lost some serious firepower. You lose Rob Gronkowski. You lose Danny Amendola. You lose some of the players that they have the last few years. They need to get Tom Brady more help. Tom Brady's in the latter part of his career. He's trying to repeat as a Super Bowl champion. The whole team is. And right now, they're shorthanded on the offensive end. So they're not done. They get Safarian Jenkins done. It's a nice addition. T.J. Yeldon, Demarius Thomas visits yesterday. Josh McDaniels, the Patriots' offensive coordinator, drafted Demarius Thomas in Denver. There's a relationship there. They know each other. He's coming off the torn Achilles. I think these are the players and the pieces that the Patriots are now looking to add at this particular point in time as we get ready to go into the draft Two weeks today where they are armed with more draft ammunition
0: than any team in the league.
1: Twelve picks, Jim. And to Adam's point, they need to come away with players, actual players.
0: Yeah, they need to get Tom weapons. I mean, and, and these moves make sense because they're a game plan team. They change week to week. That's going to be hard to do. It's hard to reload with a bunch of rookies that are trying to learn and keep up with Tom. They need to bring in some veterans that can get up to speed. Demary- like Josh knows Demarius. That's a great point by, by Adam. You know, he can come in and learn. You know, they've, they've got the backs. I like the T.J. Eldon. I mean, he was a good player coming out of Alabama. That's intriguing to me. But, yeah, getting Tom Weapons, They can now they've got Safarian Jenkins. They can address tight end with a young guy, but not have to play him right away. They'll have a veteran there in Safarian Jenkins. So it's all going to be, this draft's going to be about getting Tom some, some people.
3: And you said, what, 12 draft picks 12. you have? told oh, That's a, right. a lot of draft picks, and I doubt that they use all of them. Are some they of, usually don't. Are some of those draft picks going to be turned into veteran players in terms of trades Correct. or anything like that? Yeah. At, right. As the draft comes along, you'll see the, the plan start to formulate because – Bill does not want all those young players on his roster to develop and, develop. and Just like Jim is saying, it's too complex. It, it, sometimes a lot of the rookies, they get redshirt years. Either they get a little hammy, they get put on IR. We used to call them redshirt years in the locker room because they just sort of develop and learn while they're not playing, we'll see you next year. Those type of things, but they do all the time. They'll kick the tires on veterans, yeah. bring them in, tank check, how much they got left in yeah. the tank. I like that, can tank they, check. Can, they yeah. give you, can they give you one year? But definitely... This team will not know who it is even when the regular season starts. Because when they bring in these veterans and they bring in those draft picks, they're going to figure out who they are because they like to change whatever their talent suits. By the way, they did that with Randy Moss during the draft.
2: Got him. Later on, Josh Gordon kicked the tires in Odell Beckham, kicked the tires in Antonio Brown. Always kicking tires just to see what's out there. So, of course, they're going to be doing it. veterans who are out there right now Mm -hmm.
1: what's interesting and somewhat remarkable about new england you talk about the tank check they've had guys who come in and it looks like the tank check has failed and they come to foxborough and what do you know that thing just seems to fill back up at least temporarily for a single season or two
0: yeah i think another interesting point is going back to my time in new england they have a really small draft board i mean it looks like a two-day old turkey it's picked over they don't have a lot of names (laughs) up there i mean they they draft for roles they you, you there are specific roles on that board and once those are gone What's the point of drafting a player if, he's, if you don't mm-hmm. think he's going to help you that year? So that's when, those, that's when you're going to see a lot of those trades. That was a great point, Ted. Yeah,
3: have. and I'll see uh, those roles you talk about. Third down running backs, a role. Um, uh, slot receiver, that role. Um, first and second down linebacker, that role. Situational pass rusher, that type of role. Nickel corner, that type of role. There's one role you can't draft and replace, though, and that's what Rob Gronkowski did. Mm. That type of role is not draftable. He just did too many things when he was healthy. The ability to to keep defenses off guard in terms of what personnel is this really? Are they going to power run at us, at us or split him out? Those guys don't grow on trees. That's the role that's going to be difficult to replace. Jim,
1: I would be interested in one thing. I know you haven't been in every draft room, but you've been in the Patriots. Would you argue their draft board is as small as or as limited, if you will, as any in the league?
0: Yeah, I would think so. So, you know, a couple other teams I was with much bigger boards we're talking from 75 players maybe in new england in a typical year to other teams have over 300 um so it's it, you know it varies by team but you know when you're working with that small of a draft board i mean you, you know who you want you're really focused on those players and once they're gone that's when you start making those moves
1: look as we mentioned before the patriots have 12 draft picks tied with the new york giants for the most in the league geico presents monster counseling
3: Dracula, tell me how you're feeling. No one understands how lonely it is. No one will even let me into their house. I knock and I knock, but they ignore me. Uh Uh-huh. What else? I look in the mirror and... (laughs) I don't even see myself anymore. If you don't see yourself clearly, can you really expect others to? I'm having a breakthrough.
1: It's not easy to be a vampire. But with Geico, it's super easy to switch and save hundreds on your car insurance. We take a look now at what most folks consider the top four quarterbacks in this year's draft class. Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray have been projected in the top ten despite a lack of college experience. On the other hand, Daniel Jones and Drew each started over 30 games during their respective college careers. Now, how much does that experience matter? We'll consider this. In the last 15 years, only four quarterbacks have gone in the first round with less than 20 starts in college, Cam Newton was among them. He went on to be the MVP, but the jury's still out on Mitchell Trubisky, while Mark Sanchez and Ryan Tannehill uh, considerably, at least a lot of people considered them underachievers. Teddy, uh, let's talk about the jump. You've done it. You've made the jump as a collegiate player to the NFL. How big? How steep is that curve?
3: It depends if if it's consistent to what you're doing. I mean, these quarterbacks, you see them on the board. Sometimes a lot of these quarterbacks will get into a system where, well, they've been in a system where they haven't even been under center. Mm. So getting the quarterback center exchange, three, five, seven steps, drops, they have to learn – things that they haven't done before on a regular basis that they'll have to do. They have to transform themselves as players. I mean, myself, I mean, changing positions. Some players have to change positions like I did. All I did at the University of Arizona was play defensive end. All I knew to do was rush the passer, rush the passer, (laughs) play the tight end. When I got in my first linebacker meeting room and they asked me about pass drop -drop concepts, I had no clue. hook drop? Flat? Third? <laughs> we talking about, coach? When do I rush the pass? That's but all a you coachable. know. When, <laughs> Thank goodness. when do I rush the pass? of <laughs> it out there in, in six months, but it is, it is eye-opening. It is difficult. It is some things that a lot of these rookies, are, it's going to be a shock to the system when they know the detail that has to go into their craft moving forward.
1: And it's fast. It's not like it's slowing down, Jim. It speeds up in a hurry.
0: No, at the quarterback position, the obviously the speed of the game at all positions is going to increase, but at the quarterback position, like you talked about, taking the quarterback center exchange these guys don't even huddle anymore you know these and, <laughs> and it right. starts in high school right. huddles yeah. are all running spread offense so they're looking over at the sideline with a cue card with daffy duck on it is the play call so they have to get in they have to get in the huddle they have to spit out verbiage i saw that firsthand this year at the senior bowl um you know with those three quarterbacks we just showed uh in that piece and to to see them try it's one thing to sit in a room and do it and to get in a huddle and look at guys in the eye and spit that stuff out and mm-hmm. get it and you've, I mean, it's tough. So that's a big adjustment. Just, just that's a big adjustment.
2: And they're trying to adjust at a time where there's more impatience and more yeah. of a call for them mm-hmm. to start sooner than ever before yeah. because there's so much attention on these guys right. for the day and age that we're living in, social media, and they become stars. And It just right away, the fans want to see these guys, even if they're not ready. They want to see them thrown in there. And they get thrown in there oftentimes before they're ready.
1: And that call crescendos, JoJo. I mean, you know that. You draft a quarterback in the first round, and Todd McShay said this yesterday. You're almost guaranteed to see them at some point in the season, if not the first month.
4: Well, a lot has changed since when Aaron Rodgers was waiting behind, you know, Brett Favre. And then I think that year, particularly in 2012, where Andrew Luck and RG3 and all those quarterbacks were able to do so much their first year. The expectation has grown since they were able to, you know, do that. And then now you're talking about social media and the uh, impatience that has grown with that as well. But it's not just what you were saying, even just on the offensive side and everything that you have to do in terms of the huddle and spitting out the plays, but it's the diagnosis of the other side of the ball and the talent being that much more coming at you. It's not the pro day where no one's in front of you or the combine where you're just in your underwear. It's Von Miller and Aaron Donald chomping down in your face as well. So there's just so much more with that too.
3: And I think coaches now, the smart coaches, okay, now you get your hands on a quarterback And you'll know what he was comfortable with and running in college and saying, "Okay, what do I what do I run and how do I make this familiar to him to where, listen, I can say to him, you know, that play versus Mississippi State when you converted that third and 15. What was it called? That's all this is. And to make a quarterback feel comfortable. Well,
2: that's what the coaches now do with these young quarterbacks who are inexperienced. They tailor the playbook. They copy the plays Mm -hmm. from college and they make it just like it so that that transition is as comfortable as possible. And then
0: evolve. Yeah, And, and, uh, and evolve everything that
4: there. you're talking about, too, has to do with everything on the field, let alone the mental makeup that you have to have to just withstand the life transition mm. that you're making from college into the pros and whether you not only handle the pressure of a new life, but just the pressure of everything that you're having to handle going to the NFL So, and, and the pressure of Sunday. And, and you <laughs> it's know what's great? Right? The,
2: the, the coaches and the organizations largely say, yeah, we we want to give this guy a lot of time. We want to keep him on the bench. We want to plan to start our <laughs> veteran all year long and then lose some games. And then those calls We hear come, it every year. And then everything happens. and then ooh, whoa, four. <laughs> and,
1: one it's, and four. was four. And yeah. there's the
2: quarterback, <laughs> yeah. the rookie quarterback behind center. It's
1: almost like, can't we skip that step? They all say the same thing and they all do the same thing. And they so need to do it. They I know. To do it. I know they want to. But then, like you said, back-to-back losses and here we go.
0: Yeah, I think Andy Reid is the best handler yes. of quarterbacks. Well, and yeah, and it's, not just, it's not just Mahomes and Alex Smith. I go all the way back to when Doug Peterson, he brought Doug Peterson from Green Bay to be his starter after they drafted Donovan McNabb, knowing that they were going to struggle. And they it was eight, ten games. Once the season was lost and that, season, that lost season wasn't on Donovan's shoulders, then they put the rookie in. I think that's the smartest plan because you, you don't want that first rookie season to be, you know – to go 4-12 and and have that whole thing be on that rookie show. You don't want
1: to scar them. It also goes back
0: to some
4: of the conversation and talk I've just heard even talking to a source, and I think I mentioned this a couple of shows ago in NFL Live with regards to the New York Giants and the the need to really want, if you are going to get a quarterback, whether it be at 6 or 17, whether you go with offensive or defensive lineman at 6 and quarterback at 17, how much you're also assessing that person to really be the face of the franchise. It's not just the board work and obviously how you diagnose plays, but you're really Looking at that person to be, hmm, can they really handle the pressure of this city or what have you? And it's just something that I've heard over and over again from some people talking behind the scenes when they're evaluating that particular position as well.
1: Especially, I would say, in New York City. Yes. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> with the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. The Arizona Cardinals continue to do their due diligence with regards to the draft two weeks from today. Hosting quarterback Kyler Murray at the team's facility. Arizona had previously visited with Murray in Oklahoma. So it's not the first time we've seen these guys meet with Murray on a number of occasions, Shefty, where do we stand at the present moment?
2: Listen, I know that every mock draft expert and everybody thinks Colin Murray is going to Arizona and he probably will. But I think the key word there is probably right now because I don't think that they have their decision at this time. If we would go back one year ago to April 11th, nobody was talking about Baker Mayfield going number one. And they have met with Nick Bosa, and they have met with Quinnen and Williams, and they have come away from those meetings very impressed with those guys. And Steve Kahn, the general manager, knows how much is riding on this one pick. And it's funny because you speak to various people like, oh, they're going to take Kyler Murray. And the other people say, well, no, don't believe they're going to do that. It's too big a gamble to take a guy, and there it is, of his size again, because that question does come up, as talented as he is, at the number one spot one year after they traded up and gave up one, three, and five round picks to go get Josh Rosen. So, again, I think he's the favorite still, Kyler Murray. (laughs) I think – Probably he winds up there, <laughs> but I'm not ready to write that. Fake <laughs> I, I think
1: you're right, Shefty, and
2: I think it's fluid still. But I,
4: isn't it equally as big of a gamble if Kyler goes to another team and performs as well, or alternately, if you do not pick him in the quarterback that you stay with, whether it's Rosen or a backup, what have you, doesn't perform, you know, to the level that you need them to perform? I, I, you know, Joe, there's, I, risk, I, there's
2: risk all around. I had this conversation yeah. with a GM this morning. Basically, yeah. Steve Kym and the Arizona Cardinals can. Go safe, take a defensive player, and watch Kyler Murray shine somewhere else. And if he does that, trouble. Mm-hmm. They take Kyler Murray. He doesn't shine, tr- trouble. Like there's, there's they, they trouble behind right. every door, which is why I believe yeah. they haven't made up their mind just yet and are still going through the process of figuring out what they want to do.
4: Go with fake Go with comfort. If you gotta, you know, coach, and it
1: fits, just yeah. go with something that fits.
2: You I don't want you don't McFee's want to be the Portland Trailblazers
0: offense. drafting Sam Bowie and passing on Michael Jordan. Ooh, <laughs> I yeah. I mean, Ooh.
1: Infamy, yes. Draft. But draft. Not so much too, based you know.
3: on what they've said, but what they've done. I mean, Chris, Cliff Kingsbury coming in, Kyler Murray, who he is. I mean, fit I, is fit. I just say fill out the card. Fit is really,
1: it you're you're that you think it's done.
3: I I haven't spoken to anyone. I don't know. Exactly. I'm just
0: saying <laughs> based on uh, the um, what
3: they've done and, and Cliff Kingsbury and what he wants, um, fill out the card and turn it in. But I think we all would agree. Cliff Kingsbury loves Kyler Murray.
2: And if Cliff Kingsbury is making that pick, I think that's the pick. But somebody signs off on that pick before it's turned in, and that would be the owner and the GM and coming to some sort of consensus. And, again, that consensus may turn out to be Kyler Murray. That will not be surprising. I'm just saying, let's just get there. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not saying totally. that to build any drama. I, yeah. Listen. <laughs> I,
1: you know, Don't I, accuse I, the man of drama. He's
2: lowering the roof. Yeah. Yes, uh, that's right. I'm two with you, weeks, i You've got you. two weeks. We'll see. All
1: right, listen, let me ask you this, though, because we, we talk about the Giants and we talk about the Cardinals. There's always that sleeper team out there who goes up and grabs a quarterback and we say, oh. So who, who's that, Chef? Who is a team that may be interested in a quarterback that we're not talking as much about?
2: Well, the team I'm looking at right now? would be the Cincinnati Bengals at I'm, number 11. Yes, there you go. Because mm-hmm. you've got a new head coach in Zach Taylor. He's got no connection or allegiance to Andy Dalton, who's got two years left in his contract with no more guaranteed money, with no cap charge if you move on. Now, look, I think Andy Dalton is the quarterback this year, but I'm saying that it's time, or it will not be a surprise if it's time, that the Bengals start considering other quarterback alternatives. And mm-hmm. so if Dwayne Haskins... Is sitting there at number 11, which some people believe he will be. Maybe he just stays right in the state of Ohio and the Bengals go ahead and take him.
4: And he was yeah. at that pro day, said pro day for Dwayne Haskins. And so, and I think it's something that has been under discussed in terms of the potential interest. Just went absolutely, I hey, think.
2: And almost, we, almost. We, 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 We've talked an awful lot about the yeah. Giants and the Redskins and the Cardinals and the yeah. Dolphins.
3: Yes. We haven't talked about the Bengals and the yeah. quarterback. I don't think body. I've heard and, the Bengals
1: name called. Allow
3: us to do that right now, yes. and when's, the last <laughs> yeah. time, when's the last time Andy Dalton has been uncomfortable mm-hmm. in terms of looking at that guy in the meeting room across from him, and thinking... Oh, well, time. really distracted.
4: They've, right?
0: they've, they've never made him uncomfortable. The no. last the AJ McCarron a couple years ago won two out of three games in December, took him into the playoffs, had that playoff game won until the defense took the field and lost it mm-hmm. with two with two minutes left. And that didn't do enough to put pressure they didn't on flinch. Andy Dalton. They've never they've never pushed Andy. So and
2: by the way, we we often group together, fairly or unfairly, the head coach and the quarterback. Mm-hmm. And Marvin Lewis came under an awful lot of scrutiny and pressure. Mm-hmm for their lack of postseason success. Right. You don't hear quite as much about Andy Dalton, but guess what? The head coach is now <laughs> off somewhere else, yes. out in Arizona, enjoying hikes, enjoying a slower-paced Retirement. life. Right. <laughs> and the quarterback remains. Mm-hmm. So if they don't produce, where is the pressure and the criticism? going to It's not going to be on the rookie head coach, Zach Taylor. It's going to go to the quarterback yeah. because he hasn't gotten
0: much of it over time.
1: So if that's the case, Jim, and you look at this group, who's a fit in Cincy potentially?
0: Yeah, you, know, you could look at, like, all four guys we're talking about, could, it, it just depends on Zach Taylor and if he's willing to, like we're talking about, you, 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 you know, you coached your player strengths, right? So I, I think all four of those guys are legit first-round quarterbacks, the guy, all the usual suspects we've been talking about. It's just if Zach Taylor... You know, if he's willing to work with those guys, and also
3: tell you what a type of guts it takes to bring in a young quarterback, almost giving your 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 franchise quarterback the message of it hasn't been good enough yet, so we're bringing in some competition. When you're also trying to develop a relationship of a first year head of a first year head coach and the quarterback, and be on the same page. Love ya. Kumbaya. But hey, hey, there's that first pick, and (laughs) now I'm bringing somebody in because i got to play this other card and make sure there's competition at every single position, even yours. And also to
4: create hope. It's got to be
1: managed. And also to to create
4: hope, just depending on how the season goes, you always have that guy that's on the bench that can create hope for the community, for the the fan base, or what have you, that's back there just in case it doesn't go the way you may want it to go off top. All right. Sleep on the Bengals. By
2: the way, and if Dwayne Haskins were the pick, yeah. I'm going to guess that that would be a rather popular selection. I would selection. say popular. That's, that's what I'd right. say. It yeah. 71 it in the state energy. of Ohio, right?
1: Well, Mel and Todd have only two inside linebackers going in the first round of their latest mock drafts, and they've got them on the same teams. Both have the Bucks taking LSU's Devin White with the number five pick, and then the Bengals drafting Devin Bush out of Michigan at number 11. I have to say before we start that from a personal standpoint, I couldn't be a bigger fan of Devin White. He's such great a nice guy. kid, a great guy, and he's handled this process so well. I will turn it over to you, Teddy, to talk about his skill set.
3: Well, I don't care about his personal aspect right now okay? <laughs> I know, because, watch, because watching <laughs> him on film and seeing him play linebacker position is just exciting to me. You talk about oh. new age linebackers and what they want from you. This is, you know, I want to say prototype in terms of, you know, quotation marks because you watch him, everything going to the defensive left right there, the offensive right. He's able to slip a, slip a blocker, still got the speed to redirect and run down the Wildcat running back slash quarterback. Off the edge, they sent him there at LSU. A nice up and under with the rip move getting after the quarterback. Such a good blitzer in terms of putting pressure on the quarterback. The guy ran a 4-4 at the combine, and you can see it. You can see all of that, but also the effort. I mean, you get blocked, okay? You run into a couple blockers. But you keep going. The motor that he has, fun to watch. You want to see 4-4? This is 4-4 right here. Snap to quarterback instantaneously. It's what he does. It's what you need in today's NFL to cover space, to be that type of linebacker that can play three downs.
1: you got to say backer tracker.
3: That's my backer tracker. I know. Okay, good.
1: I saw it up there. I can't (laughs) believe I didn't hear you say it. Great player. Jim, agree?
0: I agree totally with Teddy. And one thing I'd say to, to piggyback onto that, he's a great blitzer. You know, we talked about Roquan mm. Smith last year to Chicago Bears, right. sixth overall pick, great blitzer. I see the same kind of knack in Devin White. I mean, this guy's got a knack for timing it. And like you said, you see the 4-4, you see the 4-4 when he's shooting that A-gap. And, we, you know, the league's all about putting pressure on the quarterback. Sometimes you can't do it with your front four. Sometimes it, it, it takes the linebackers to get involved. And this kid's got a knack for it. He's going he's gonna to be really disruptive in that role. And I'm with Teddy. This guy and Devin Bush, the two linebackers, Uh, Michigan and LSU two cleanest play, two of the cleanest players in this draft. Jim how does
2: it rank Devin White, Devin Bush, Roquan Smith how do they compare in terms of ranking coming out? They're right there I mean because they were
0: yeah because they were all clean they all have traits they all have tools they all tested well they have great production on tape and they're all high makeup guys so to me a lot of teams don't like taking inside linebackers that high but for these three guys they're they belong in that top ten conversation. So,
1: as I mentioned, Mel and Todd have Devin going to number uh, to the Bucks at yeah. number five. What do you hear?
0: Well, that is the most logical scenario,
2: okay, because Tampa Bay lost Quan Alexander, a player that they wanted to keep. They need somebody. They have a new defensive coordinator in Todd Bowles. I'm sure Todd Bowles watches that tape of <laughs> Devin White and says, allow me to put this guy in my defense. Tampa Bay, I think once we get to that slot in the draft, you are on the clock for a guy like Devin White at that point in time. But let me give you one scenario that I don't think anybody's talked about. What if, as we talked about in the unlikely event, that Arizona decides to go with one of the defensive players, Bosa or Williams? And let's say that those two guys go with the first two picks in the draft and the Jets go Josh Allen. All of a sudden, you're sitting there at number four. The Raiders are there. Could the Raiders go with a guy like Devin White to help repair a defense that's in desperate need of repairs, knowing how good and solid he is. So I know everybody's talking about Tampa, but I think there's a scenario, a crazy wild curveball scenario, in which Devin White could even go number four. Well,
1: uh, well, we saw a crazy wild curveball scenario last year. So and what it's you not see in crazy.
3: teams that don't have a Devin White, Roquan Smith type of player, they're starting to use more and more safeties at these positions. And then all of a sudden, whether it be to injury because you don't have the linebackers like the Los Angeles Chargers had all those DBs playing towards the end of the year, you run into a power running team, all of a sudden, what are you doing? You know you can't stop it, so you need not only the, a, a quality every down linebacker, but depth at the position. It's
1: like Devin squared. We talk about Devin White. We got to talk about Devin Bush. Jim.
0: Yeah, Devin Bush is the other guy. I think I think yeah. they go right hand in hand. I think it's going to be flavor of the week for whatever team. I think some teams will have Bush over White. I think it's. I mean, they're that close. Devin Bush, like you said, the, used the term "new wave linebacker." Teddy, this guy fits it as well. I mean, he's got speed. He's got range. He matches up in space. He can cover. You actually see a lot more coverage on tape from Devin Bush than you do Devin White. And again, he's the heart and soul of this defense. When, it, when he was off the field last year, you felt the impact on that Michigan defense. He's just like Devin White. He's going to come in. He's going to He's got a presence about him. He loves football. They're both aggressive players, violent players. Love they they yeah. play the position how you want them to play it.
1: Potential landing spot, landing spot in this situation. Again,
0: no, you when know, we talked about the Raiders, and it's a bit high, but he visited the Raiders this week,
2: which was interesting. Now, the Raiders have three first-round draft picks, Uh, I don't think they want to give up capital to move up, but I think once we get to right around pick 10 and beyond, we start to move into Devin Bush category. We talked about the Bengals and a quarterback. That will be one of the decisions they have to make. Do you want to go quarterback, or do you want to go somebody like Devin Bush to help your defense that seems to be getting something of a little bit of a makeover this offseason? Green Bay makes a lot of sense. There are a lot of places that make sense for Devin Bush. Look, Devin White and Devin Bush are great football players. You don't want to pass on great football players. So you can put them anywhere you want.
1: Yeah, there you go. Take them. Devin squared. Devin and Devin and the backer tracker.
2: How
3: you get both of them? Yeah, can right? We How, can we get both of them on the same team? You figure that out. You've had a good, <laughs> d- you be good be day. Drive. That's Teddy <laughs> That's my draft. let <laughs> take Devin White at 6
2: and Devin Bush at 17. Teddy Steve there. has no quarterback, Bam! but that's not
1: notwithstanding. He's got the Devin. <laughs> Time now to go inside the headlines, and we'll start in Seattle where the headline from the Seattle Times reads, Russell Wilson might have set a contract deadline, but no reason the Seahawks have to honor it. That is true. The new deal, the deadline that he set would be Monday, which is April 15th. What happens, Chef D, if he's not signed doing extension by that time?
2: Then he's not going to sign a contract this year. And who knows if he's going to sign it again. And now the Seahawks and Russell Wilson find themselves in one of those dances where they are headed toward a franchise tag. Now, Again, April 15th is an unusually early date in the world of football. I don't ever remember a player imposing an April 15th deadline for a new contract, but this is what Russell Wilson and his agent Mark Rogers have decided to do. That's the date that they have put out there. They're going to work to try to get it done. Sounds right now as if it's going to be very difficult to get that deal done. And if they cannot get it done, Russell Wilson's still going to be going to the offseason program, still going to be going to training camp, not going to miss any time. But it puts them on a dangerously bumpy course going forward. Plus, what it does do if they don't get the deal done by the 15th is I think it invites any teams out there that are thinking about making a move, as unlikely as that seems, to say to Seattle. What would it take to pry loose Russell Wilson in a trade that's hard to imagine happening, but... Calls could come in if that deal is not done by Monday.
1: How important is Russell Wilson to the Seahawks team? Do I even need to ask I mean, that no, question? No, not really. I, don't I mean, think
3: so we, we, I can't imagine him not him them letting him go. But just, I mean, I'll just talk to you about it from a defensive perspective in terms of game plan going up against an offense having to worry about a quarterback every single down, not just pass plays but run plays in terms of the all encompassing game and threat that Russell Wilson is. I mean, we haven't even talked about how accurate of a passer he is, but I am always having three on the brain in terms of if it's a run to my left as a linebacker, did Russell boot out the other way? Where is he? It's true 11-on-11 11 11 football, and you're at a disadvantage sometimes if you're in man-to-man coverage and he can go around and scramble. I mean, so many threats to worry about with him a quarterback. I mean, he's invaluable to this, to this franchise.
2: Let me, so this week, Jack Del Rio said on NFL Network that he would not be surprised if Russell Wilson's traded. Now, let me say this. that I I think that that is based off information that was unfolding, I think, weeks and months before, not right now. I think the teams that have looked at this and have contemplated it basically have looked at a situation where they know that they would have to surrender a lot of draft compensation to Seattle and make Russell Wilson the highest paid quarterback in the game. And it's not as if some teams won't think about it if they don't get a deal done by the 15th. But I think we've seen how hard it is to get a deal like that done. Odell Beckham Jr. was shopped last year, and it took him over a year basically to get that deal together. And Antonio Brown, that you almost know, fell apart. It's a hard deal to pull off. Do I think Seattle would listen? I do. But don't you have to at least take the call? I mean, you have to. Well, but you're talking about a top
3: five, six, seven yeah, quarterback I, in the it, game
1: again. To Teddy's point, That's it's going to want long-term
3: but- security and just just. Some, a thought that's popping in my head. I mean, when the collective bargaining agreement ends, I mean, does, does that factor into yes. long-term contracts yes. right now? How yeah. so?
2: Well, number one, if you're Russell Wilson, one scenario you come up with right now is say, okay, I want a short extension that gets me to the end of the CBA, and then I want to be a free agent again when the new collective bargaining agreement is reached, presumably. For the 2022 season or 2021 season, whichever one it is, Hmm. so you could do a shorter-term deal now, or again, you could tie some sort of clause in the contract to the cap. And how it it gets very technical, but again, that CBA that expires here in a few years is going to be more and more part of these contract negotiations that occur between teams and players, and particularly a star like Russell Wilson. Well, you're talking it, about I, a player that has
3: possibly 10 years left. Yeah. I mean, he's 30 years tank. old. Yeah. So. Quarterback's well, playing to 40. What we're yeah. seeing. Yeah.
1: It underscores your point as to just one of the reasons why this deal deals like this are so difficult, especially as we head towards the new CBA. All right, let's talk about the Ravens, shall we? They had an extension, a contract extension today, Shefty. Well, I think this is big because you're talking about a seven-time
2: Pro Bowl player who's 34 years old. Some say he's the best guard in the game. And you've seen a team that lost a lot of talent this offseason. So before he could get to free agency after this season, they signed him to a one-year extension that gets him through the 2020 season and means that they'll have their Pro Bowl player. And by the way, guy that's played all over the line, you're going to talk about Marcian, I think, for the Hall of Fame
3: one day. Yeah, and, a, and an offensive scheme that's based on running the football play-action passes, you, you need your offensive line for the success of this. To dominate the line of scrimmage, it's what your quarterback needs because to improve Lamar Jackson as a quarterback, you're not going to spread it out on an every down base and say, okay, let's take reps, all right? It's going to be be a power running team, he has that aspect of he running, is. play action pass and then on certain third down situations I'm going to have to use my arm how he'll slowly improve to that is the key to this football team. There also was some speculation that he would retire now or even after the season and I
2: think that this extension quiets that speculation and means he'll be there in Baltimore for the next couple of
1: seasons. Josh Jacobs as you saw, several, one of several Alabama players expected to be drafted that's certainly nothing new for the Tide who have turned out 77 draft picks and 26 Six first-rounders in the last 10 years. Both of those figures the most of any program. For the record, both Mel and Todd have seven Bama players in the first three rounds of their grade A mock drafts. Uh, Listen, Alabama's almost a factory. It's the minor leagues, as we say sometimes, Jim, in the NFL. But in particular, what do you see from Josh Jacobs? A
0: lot of positions it's debatable. I I can't find anyone that would say Josh Jacobs isn't the best running back in this class. He's my favorite, one of my favorite players in this entire draft. You know, calling him a physical downhill runner isn't doing him justice. He is a violent runner. He runs hungry. This is a kid that slept in his dad's car for a a time in his life. He was a zero-star recruit until Alabama offered him, and then he jumped to a three-star. So he's the rare Alabama player that has some overachiever qualities to him. He's gonna be a great NFL back. He's gonna give you that Marshawn Lynch type presence, tone setting ability at the running back spot. Great story.
4: Right. Right. How we about got, Williams? Yes, Quentin Williams, a six foot three defensive tackle out of Alabama. Just spent the last three days with him in Alabama, can certify that he has a heart of goal and a force of nature for any blocker in front of him. Uh right now he is visiting with the Jaguars and is scheduled to visit with the Bills, Giants and Jets next week.
1: I heard a little southern accent out of there from come Jeff. Out, Jeff. Come well, how are we talking fam? <laughs> Jesse? We're not not going to get that from you. What we'll, we'll talk Smith? Listen,
2: we've heard a lot of T.J. Hawkinson, a lot of Fant in this draft. Herb Smith is another first-round candidate. His father was the 20th overall pick in the 1993 draft by the New Orleans Saints. And I'm sure Irv Smith Jr. wants to beat where his father once was picked
0: at the 20th overall selection.
1: And finally, let's keep talking tight, Jonah Williams, Jim.
0: Yeah, Jonah's going to be a really good left tackle at the next level. The only question would maybe be arm length, but he's going to be a good left tackle. The intriguing thing is I really think his highest ceiling would be at center. This guy's so good at the second level. That's what he does best. It'll be interesting to see where a team puts him. He'll probably be drafted to be a left tackle. Very smart, too.
1: Listen, we're going to talk some golf terms, okay, because we got the Masters starting, everybody's excited. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's start with this, a layup, right? A A can't miss, if you will. A can't miss prospect. This is the Masters draft edition.
0: And this is fun. We're going outside the top ten. Oh, for a
1: can't miss outside
0: the top ten. Yeah, North Carolina State center Garrett Bradbury. This guy at his position, layup, might be the best, you know, if you're just considering where he's at in his position group. This guy's a great football player. One of the quickest centers I've done in a long time. You're seeing him reach block on this tape, reaching those three techniques, getting to the second level, had a great senior bowl. I mean, he's, we talked about clean prospects with Devin White and Devin Bush. This is another guy, really clean. Whoever needs a center, Carolina Panthers maybe, some, plug this guy in. He's going to start for 10 years. All
1: right, that's a Reese's senior bowl to you, Jim. Reese's the senior bowl. Reese's Thank senior you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. I'm here for you. The cleanup. Uh, the cleanup. Clean right. Right. Uh, how about out of bounds? And by that, I mean a team that's got so much to do that – you know, maybe they take a step forward, but they're not going to get it done in a strap. Listen,
4: guys, I think the Miami Dolphins fits right here. You're talking about a team that was 7-9, and second in the AFCs, but hasn't had a double-digit winning season at least more than one time since 2009. You're talking about a team, too, that was 31st in offense and 29th in defense. So, really, there's no uh, other place to go but up. So, when you're picking 13th, you really can get anyone that can add to this team and improve it, particularly when you're trying to start and turn over a new leap with a new head coach and Brian Flores, who's trying to start a new culture down there you got to stop gapping Ryan Fitzpatrick right now, so we'll, we'll, he's, he's going to
1: kind of try to hold the reins together hold, in the meantime. Hold it together. <laughs> All right, listen, Teddy, a mulligan. This one doesn't really need an explanation. No, a this do-over. is easy.
3: Well, I want a do-over on the there draft, and I'm going to go to the Arizona Cardinals, how they had a head I coach for one year, and they drafted a first-round quarterback in Josh Rosen. And now again, here we are with a new head coach with the number one overall pick, which people think the chances are high that they will take Kyler Murray. So... You got Rosen. You possibly have Murray. Would you like a Mulligan and do this thing over with? Who was drafted after Rosen? Maybe you could have gotten. <laughs> and then getting Murray this year. Oh, think Dep- about that. There's a lot of things that are fluid. I understand this, Adam. Fluid. Fluid. However, maybe a Mulligan on that. Do what I tell
1: Alright, moving day. We got a couple days at the Masters till we see moving day. Moving. But, you know, in this sense, move up to get your guy.
2: A moving day, I'd say, watch. John Dorsey, the Browns' general manager, who already moved out of the first round, moving a first-round draft pick to the New York Giants for Odell Beckham Jr., but John Dorsey, the Browns' GM, has his eyes on moving back in to the first round. There is somebody he wants. We do not know who that player is just yet, Mm. but I think there's a player that he wants, and it would not be a surprise if the Cleveland Browns made an attempt to move back up into the first round on their own moving update.
1: Listen, John Dorsey not afraid to make some moves. It must be the off-season. Oh, this yeah. is this is a good problem to have. Watch top Brady. I
0: know. Did we keep the other confetti? Confetti. I know. <laughs> Did we keep the other confetti?
3: I've had that moment.
1: <laughs> That's a good moment to have. OBJ says, just seen the schedule. It's funny how God in the universe works week one surprise. I mean, well, who's he
2: talking about? The Jets
1: this year. I know. we got the Ravens, the Steelers, the Bengals, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Titans, Seahawks, Rams, Jets. But the way he's talking Patriots about it, you'd be
4: thinking it's the Giants. I know, you know but maybe it's about Love Stadium. I know. You know, because they're not going to play I those mean, guys. But it's not, but that's what I know. you wanted.
1: All right. <laughs> Teddy Burst could run in the Boston Marathon <laughs> hey, on Monday. Good luck Monday, please. All right, good luck. We'll all watching. He'll be back form. tomorrow. We're not letting it be done yet. <laughs> <laughs>